The former president, Khalaba Motlante, who says that if, if there's any more friction in that town of Senegal, it, it could spark civil war. Are you going to listen to him? So be it. We're in this mess because of people like him who allowed whites to undermine us like that. You think we can listen to people like him? You think we can listen to Mbegi, to Zuma, to Mandela? We'll never allow that. This nonsense must come to an end at some point. This whites should know that we are not stepchildren in this country. This is our country. We too belong here. And if going to Senegal will cause a civil war, if a man exercises his constitutional rights, that will lead to a civil war. So be it. I'm not talking here from the comfort of my couch in the newsroom Africa offices. I will be in Senegal myself. I will be leading from the front. Do what you want to do. What soldiers? Why should we be scared of retired soldiers when we're not scared of them when they were soldiers? When they legitimately carried guns to kill black people? We confronted them with stones. Mr. Let history repeat itself. Hmm. Let us confront the same people our parents confronted. Yeah. If that is going to be the case, let it be. Uh, Mr. We're Malema. not going to live in fear here because we think white farmers are former generals. They can go to hell. Murderous generals. Mr. Malema. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Rob Hutchinson, DSA. Man, uh, what are your what are your what are your thoughts? Is this guy is this guy inciting civil war? Without a doubt, Jeremy. There's there's no doubt about that. And perhaps it's a diversion from his own misdoings and misdeeds. Who knows? But he's definitely, definitely inciting violence there directly, and it's totally unnecessary. Totally yeah, I think that's that's an understatement. Um, <laughs> Rob, okay, so you are a a germ warfare sponsor. Let's throw that disclaimer out there. So we're on this, we're in the same fight together, uh, the good fight that <laughs> is. But secondly, it's the right fight. It's the right fight. Yes, definitely. <laughs> But secondly, and more importantly, um, <laughs> you're, you're fighting a lot of battles. So yesterday you were on my show to talk about um, taking Dlamini Zuma legal over, over uh, the state of disaster. But there's another fight that's happening right under our noses that we're almost, almost not seeing, Rob. Absolutely. And it's one we've been involved in for over two years now. In fact, it's one of the one of the reasons Dear South Africa, in fact, was, actually it was our first big major project. And that is the amending of Section 25 of the Constitution to allow for expropriation without compensation. It's, a, it's been ongoing now in various forms for quite some time. Uh, a lot of confusion around different bills, bills that are coming through. And we all know the hidden agenda behind it. Well, it's not so, so hidden anymore. Mm. But uh, I don't know if we want to chat about that or bring that, bring that up anymore. I think everybody's pretty clued up as to what the agenda is. However, there seems to be different mechanisms and processes around this, which is uh, creating some major confusion in the public, um, bringing different ideas through, and government seems to be trying to sneak things through Parliament without having to go through that vote, of uh, which requires a 75% majority vote to change the Bill of Rights. So, yeah, there's a lot on the table on the table right now. So what, what is it that you're involved in with regards to EWC and uh, DRSA? Okay, so what we did originally in June 2018, I think it was, yeah, we facilitated the whole public participation process so remember, governments put out that call. They, they formed the Constitutional Review Committee, the CRC, which um, posed the question to, to the public uh, as to whether Section 25 of the Constitution needs to be amended in order to facilitate expropriation without compensation in, in some cases. And if so, how should it be amended? And, uh, and so on. So there were, there were those two major questions posed out there. 
So Government Hill invited public to comment on on that proposal and uh, offered written written uh, input, written submissions, and there was a held public hearings uh, across mm. the country. So we created uh, a portal on our on our uh, website, which was justafrica.ca.za, and which basically posed exactly those same questions. And um, we allowed the public to have their say whether they wanted it to be amended, how it should be amended, um, and and so on. So we didn't run a petition because most organisations were uh, running petitions either for or against it. Obviously, most were against it. We offered a a non-biased view, non-partisan approach to get a good feel of what the, the public actually wanted. And we ended up delivering about, I think it was 230,000 individual submissions directly through to through to Parliament. And from that, we, we saw that, um, look, it was close. I'm, I'm not going to lie here. It was about 57% versus uh, the remaining on... 57% of people said, no, we should not amend amend the constitution. And um, then we also delivered that directly to parliament. We printed out each individual submission, actually hand-delivered them to parliament. It was about almost two tons of paper that we had to deliver there. Oh, sorry, really? sorry, environmentalist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, 75 boxes. Yeah. We just wanted to make an impact to see that you know, public participation and, and the public was actually really into this how long did all that printing take <laughs> yeah the poor printer has shame he cursed us it took it took about two days flat out 24 hours a day yeah, and they had to deliver it as well for us so it was quite a nightmare but it made a statement that showed that south africans are really interested in this they're interested in getting involved in uh, shaping this policy and having their say in a proper democratic process rather than the petition mm. against uh, what government is, is trying to do. And interestingly, government uh, responded quite well to, to that whole approach. They ended up using our summary because we provided them a summary um, in a report and in an Excel spreadsheet where they could actually go through it so they didn't have to go through all the individual uh, comments. And they ended up using that to draft their initial proposal to, to Parliament, which Parliament rejected at that stage. So Parliament rejected that, and they focused on um, hand-picking or cherry-picking 400 uh, public submissions, or not even public submissions, but public comments chosen from the public hearings. And that suited their agenda, and then they redrafted their proposal to, to Parliament and then uh, went, with, went with those cherry-picked uh, comments, which suited their agenda again. So then that all went under uh, review inside inside Parliament through the various stages, and then we had the elections. So uh, this fifth Parliament came to an end, the sixth Parliament was introduced, and that whole process uh, came to a halt, where the Constitutional Review Committee was disbanded then, has now been reformed in the hopes of trying to reignite that, that whole process. But in the meantime, the uh, Minister of, um, I can't even remember which minister it was at the time, introduced a, a land expropriation bill, which was separate to the whole constitutional review process. And that was in December 2018. So we, we noticed that, we, we got hold of that, and we also initiated the whole public uh, participation process and sent through, uh, it was about 88,000 individual comments through to, through to Parliament at that stage. And that, that bill was an amendment of an existing bill, which uh, catered for expropriation of, of land in particular. So expropriation has always been able to, to take place under certain conditions. So government wants to put up a government school or a servitude or, or so on. You know, they can expropriate uh, property from, from private individuals. Um, however, compensation must be just and equitable related to uh, the retail price of, of the land and investments and so on and so on. Um, this, this bill expanded that approach, but still in, in the lines of uh, expropriation must be paid. Um, it states that no compensation uh, can occur in certain instances, but still has to be determined by the courts. So it's sort of removing 
this from a political space now into a judicial space, which is rather concerning, considering um, mm. very latest judgments that have been happening in our courts, which seem to be very biased towards towards one side or what? favor no. uh, one group. <laughs> yeah, haven't you noticed? <laughs> no, See, no, our courts yeah. are completely neutral. Rob, didn't you? Didn't yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Black courts should be. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not. They're not at all captured. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But that's where, where yeah. the worry is now. Because if the courts weren't captured, and we, we can say they are, because we can definitely see there's, there's a definite bias there, even even in other institutions outside of the courts. So we can see that there's a hmm. definite bias and historical events have to be accounted and taken into place, and that affects the law and, and so on. So if um, no compensation, government determines no compensation on this, and you take it to court, um, will that actually be overturned? Will mm. you see compensation for your property and, and and so on? That remains to be to be seen. So anyway, in, in the meantime, there's, that was the second bill. So now mm. there's a third bill, which has also been introduced, and that is the, um, the bill which proposes to amend the Constitution. That's called the Constitution 18th Amendment Bill. So we've facilitated public participation on that as well. Uh, we sent through 190,000 individual submissions from the public through to the review committee. And then COVID happened. So um, the uh, review committee was hosting <laughs> COVID happened. Yes. <laughs> so the, the constitutional review committee was uh, holding uh, public hearings uh, before, before that. Mm. The written uh, period came to an end. COVID happened, which suspended the whole public hearing things. And now they've just announced that they're starting the public hearings on the Constitution 18th Amendment Bill uh, on the 22nd of this month. Let's just zoom out for a moment uh, because it's easy to get caught up in the details and forget what the big picture is. Rob, the big picture mm -hmm. is that the government wants to change the Constitution essentially so that it can take private property. That is correct. That is correct. And that is that is spot on. And what people need to understand is that private property, according to the Constitution as it stands, uh, property is not limited to land. Property yeah. is anything that, that you own. So it's your car, it's your intellectual property, it's that microphone, it's those earphones on here, it's anything. It's any patents that you hold, it's any uh, anything, absolutely anything that's deemed property. Patents. IP. IP even. even. Patents. Intellectual property, yes, sure. absolutely. So it can be absolutely anything. It's, and it clearly states that in the Constitution, the, the exact words are, um, property is not limited to land. So that's a terrifying thought there. So if we zoom in ever so slightly, um, the, the current bill now that's sitting in Parliament, or the proposal that's sitting in Parliament, is not... Yo, and I, I was saying this to my wife earlier. You don't. It, it's weird that we have to get to a point where we're looking for good news in the bad news. But the current proposal, at least, is not looking to take just random property. Yes. Yeah. So the current proposal, I assume you're talking about the yeah. uh, expropriation bill that that's there mm. now. Yeah, that is purely focused on land. But purely vacant, on land. as far as I, as far as I know. Yes. Correct. Yeah, vacant, unused, and what it was the state is whatever that yeah unused for for the purpose it was intended to. So that that again is pretty pretty vague. But what's also vague is that it says they can expropriate land if it's in the interest of the public. So what does that mean? Yeah, how do they determine that? Exactly. That so in the interest of the public generally means if they. Um, want to put up a school or something that serves the public or, or so on. But there again, it might be open to interpretation depending on how this process is followed in court. So what's happening now? It's going to get voted on in Parliament. Yeah, yeah. So now it sits in National Assembly and they, they will debate it, deliberate it. It's in draft form at this stage, so it might still undergo another uh, amendment process. However, I doubt it. I think it's been, they've already had a look at all the public submissions mm. and taken that into account and redrafted it. So they'll go through it in the National Assembly. 
if they vote on it and it's passed, then it moves on to the National Council of Provinces where they do the same process, vote on it. If it's passed there, then it goes on to the president's president's desk where it can sit for however long he, he deems fit until he signs it into law. And then from that place, then it'll have, then uh, the minister will have to draft regulations uh, around that, around that bill. The, the term that the media likes to use is apply his mind. Yeah, apply his mind to, to what? Yeah. <laughs> he has to listen to his advisors. <laughs> uh, oh. it, it's obviously going to get passed because uh, the majority in parliament is um, ANC and EFF combined um, gets them gets them what they want, and they'll both vote the same. Exactly, exactly. So, at, at, when it gets voted on in Parliament, it doesn't need a seventy five percent majority on that. Mm. All it needs is fifty percent plus one, and ANC already have that. So there's oh, there's sure. no doubt it will be. And then just add the e, the EFF to that same vote, and it's it's a no brainer. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so Rob, what does this, what does this mean? I, I mean, it, it's pretty terrifying that the constitution is, as far as I can tell, going to be amended for the first time in yeah post yeah. post apartheid South Africa. Yeah, well, look, it's the constitution might not be amended just yet because mm. this is the expropriation bill, which is separate to the constitution. Um, however, the uh, we have got a legal opinion on this. And um, we doubt, we seriously doubt that this bill will actually withstand constitutional muster because you cannot uh, expropriate land without compensation at this stage, which is exactly what this bill is proposing, is that land can be expropriated without compensation in certain instances. The constitution clearly says no, Mm. there has to be um, compensation. So they'll have to go through the whole process of amending the constitution through the Constitution 18th Amendment Bill first before they can actually sign this sign this into law if they don't then it leaves it wide open to a challenge by by anyone to uh, take it straight to the constitutional court and deem this this bill unconstitutional interesting enough um, these bills are supposed to go through a constitutional check first with uh, parliament's uh, legal team so if they and they say they have actually actually checked it and they said it has uh, pass the constitutional test according to them. However, that's, that's definitely not the case because you you cannot uh, expropriate land without compensation at this stage. Well, you say you you cannot, but I mean we're just playing with words because it's already happening. Well, with land grabs and yes. and, and so on, which have to be challenged in court. Yeah, so that's that opens the way for mm. for this bill again um, when that court challenge appears. That it'll all be based on the expropriation bill. I like how we use the word expropriation so that we can sound all legal and friendly. But at the end of the day, Rob, it's theft. It's, yeah, without a doubt it is. It's stealing stealing private property. Uh, okay, so let's just quickly talk about that for a second. So the government, the state actually has a lot of land. The state has huge amounts of land, absolutely huge amounts of land. There was that whole issue mm. in uh, one of the municipalities that was uh, put under administration. And... Because they couldn't pay their pay their ESCOM bills, so ESCOM um, uh, claimed all, all their assets, and there were I can't remember the exact figure, but over 120 farms that this municipality mm. owned, thousands, thousands, thousands of of, of hectares of, of farmland. So you've got to ask yourself the, that question: Is why hasn't that been been used? Why aren't we going mm. that approach first? If the state has the land, then it's not proven that the state has has the land and owns that land, why don't they just you know, distribute or redistribute that first? There's been a great success in in, in the whole land restitution process through throughout uh, throughout yeah. the years or, or decades so far. And majority of um, the claims were settled on a monetary basis rather than actually giving people land. They chose to take the money. Yeah. So this whole this whole political political thing about this demand for land and land's going to make us rich is, is pure political speak. There is because no the demand facts prove otherwise. Yeah, there, there is no, no demand for land. No. There's no demand for land. No. We know that what uh, over the the uh, since the '90s that land restitution process. I think some, I think something like ninety three percent of of respondents took money instead of actual actual physical land. 
That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, who wants land? Land doesn't make you rich. Land makes you poor at this day because you have to pay yeah. rates and taxes. You have to upkeep that land and so on. And the whole proposal is that the land will be leased to you. You won't actually own that land. So you become a tenant, an immediate mm. tenant who owes, owes bills to, to the state. So this and whole political spook is going to fall flat. Another part of this discussion is that it's about farming land, agricultural land. Well, we also know that I mean, it's sad to say, but close to 100% of all farms that have been taken and given to black owners have failed. Yes. Yeah. Now, that, that is the case. Because let's face it, farming is not an easy task. No. Right? It's, I, I couldn't be a farmer. There's no way, no way I could. I struggle with the veggie garden. Yeah. Like my wife's far better at it than, than I am. Too. <laughs> Would you want to wake up yeah. at four every day, Rob, to, to go out and do rounds on on the land no no i think you know for a week or so it might be quite attractive but you know after that it becomes a chore which when we all hate chores there's no way i'm not built to be a farmer far too small yeah and also i mean how do you look in how do you look in two-tone <laughs> exactly horrific we don't want to see that <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah no, so but that's the problem yeah that is definitely the problem too is that you know, it's all well and good giving people land, but you need to educate them as to uh, how to look after that land, how to grow crops and, and, and so on. And what people don't seem to understand, I had a very interesting conversation with, with, a, with an Uber driver the other day, and he was, he was talking about how he wanted to um, uh, support the EFF because he wanted his land. He was going to grow, I think he said, mangoes or, or, or something up, up in Limpopo, and uh, like they didn't quite understand that you don't just plant plant a seed and boom, instantly there, mm. there's a tree. You it takes years. It takes years to do to actually reap the rewards of of, of that land and of that farm. How are you going to financially sustain yourself during that time? How's that going to happen? You're going to take loans from the bank. You can't take a loan from the bank because you don't own that land. The state owns that land. So now you can't use that land as uh, a surety against against a bank loan. What? How are you going to How are you going to do this? And it they it just didn't seem to understand ah, that whole process. But the government's ahead of you because the government wants to create a state bank. There you go. So that's exactly exactly what's going to happen. So it's it's total socialist control. You will be working for, for the, the state, state in every possible so, sense. Yeah. yeah, and people don't understand this that. That farming is is completely romanticized by non-farmers. Uh, I don't know of a single farmer who who romanticizes his job. I mean, it's hard, hard graft, Rob. It's like Absolutely. seriously hard graft. It's, hard. it's physical graft, yeah. Which yeah, I mean, these, I think the, these guys. society just doesn't. You know, yeah, no they age very it. quickly. <laughs> but again, also, yeah. farming is is not it's not an occupation that you just decide oh okay i think i'm going to change my career as an accountant i'm going to become a farmer from next month no definitely not well i do know a few people who've done that but it takes an absolute willpower and it's it's in your blood it's, it's absolutely in your blood and like you said it's definitely it's hard physical physical labor mm. that's why farmers are, are such huge people because <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't get a small man you can you can till the land or or, or so on, or, or handle anything else like that. And it is, it's a full-time dedicated uh, operation. Not only that, you need to have a, a good business savvy as well. Mm. You can't just um, plant plant uh, whatever veggie it is and then hope to hope to sell it at, at a market. You've got to understand the whole process behind that as well. Distribution, cultivation, and and so on. So how, yeah, no, it's it's. There's also, a hell of a misconception out there. And also, you can't just plant anything anywhere. I mean, you've got different types of yeah. regions that that have certain types of uh, preferences. I mean, like that's why that's bananas okay. grow in KZN, but you're not really going to do terribly well growing bananas, I suppose, in, uh, what, a northwest province. Totally, yeah. And what's everybody going to grow? Are they going to – everyone going to grow – uh, millies or is everyone going to mm. grow i don't even know what's what's what the general um feel is out there we should perhaps ask ask the the eff supporters well 
yeah, if we gave you a piece of land tomorrow, what would you do? They don't answer the That's question. I've, I've seen these questions yeah. being asked and they just say, well, uh, you don't get to ask me what I'm going to do with my land. Yeah. <laughs> I know what the government's going to do with the land. They're going to yeah. tax you. They're going to tax. And, and as you say, the government's going to try and own the land and then just lease it. Yeah. Which, of course, yeah. is going to then be subsidized by taxpayers. So it just it's a, it's a horrible yeah. downward rabbit hole. Absolutely. And if we've only got, what was the latest count, about 3 million active taxpayers in South Africa, then where do you go from there? I know everybody pays VAT, 15% VAT, but mm. what we're talking about is people who pay income tax, which is uh, a substantial amount of, of the tax collection. And that pool is getting smaller by the day. Yeah. You know, people are, are avoiding tax, they're immigrating and, and so on. Oh, and, and they're also losing jobs thanks to, you know, cough, cough, lockdown. Mm. Yes, yes. Kennel cough, yeah, it's kept us down for ages yeah. too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the future does not look bright. I, I hate to say that, but it, it doesn't look bright. Um, you throw on land expropriation and these bills that are going through Parliament on top of that, mm. and... Um, you got to ask the question, why? Why is Parliament doing this instead of focusing on uh, reigniting the, the economy through what should be privatization? Let, let every business take, do what they can, uh, act on their own, loosen up the regulations around, around business, make it easier for private businesses to operate. Mm. Government has proven in absolutely every instance that they cannot operate a business of any sort, no, any can't. sort. So why would we give them more power? Why are we doing this? It, or why are we even allowing this? It, it absolutely makes no sense. But people just don't seem to un understand that. Perhaps they're uh, not educated to do this, or perhaps they've been lied mm. to. to perhaps what they, it boggles the mind, eh? What's your dog's name? <laughs> it's Francesca. Francesca. <laughs> What is it? Just because of Bull Terrier. Bull Terrier. <laughs> right. Uh, Hugo makes an interesting comment. He says, well, I would sublet my land to a farmer that knows what he's doing. But if the land is leased to you, this is a technical question, but would you be able to do that? Would you be allowed to? Sorry, I must say it again. So Hugo in the comment says, I would sublet my land to a farmer that knows what he's doing. But if the farm is leased to mm. you, would you be permitted to sublet no. it? No, no. And the EFF have actually raised that point. Um, what they said is um, they the land will be leased for a specific purpose. So you have to apply to uh, to the government and state what you're going to do with that land. Mm. And then they will go through a, a review committee and then um, allocate that land to you or not and keep, keep tabs on to you as, as to what you're doing. Obviously, they want people to be productive in, in the land and tailor the whole economy to suit what whatever they're doing and get people to essentially work for the state. Mm. So no, you will not be allowed to uh, sublet it to an, an equipped farmer. No. What do you think the long-term goal here is, Rob, of this this EWC yeah. story? What do you think is the long-term goal? It's it's the basis of, of socialism. National is, Democratic exactly, Revolution. Well, that it, that's what it is, yeah. That exact National Democratic Revolution where it's all looking after... Uh, uh, Africans and in particular black Africans. That's exactly what the National Democratic Revolution says. With 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 uh, reliance on the state. One hundred percent reliance on the state. Yeah. Mm. So it starts off as socialism, um, which is or got a pretty rosy picture right now, but it is essentially not, and it will end up in full on communism, uh, and that's the agenda of the one member of the Tripartite Alliance, the SACP. And people seem to forget that the South African Communist Party forms a major part of the decision-making body in, in the ANC. Yeah, that's worrying, hey, Rob. And all the indicators suggest that. I mean, mm -hmm. almost nothing the government does uh, heads in a direction away from the National Democratic Revolution, aka socialism slash communism. I mean, it's all it's all the same thing at the end of the day, and it it's worrying because it 
it's going to send South Africa into another African failed state scenario within the next generation. Yeah, I'm afraid of all. I'm afraid of all. Yeah. And, you know, for, for a lot of some people didn't believe that the NDR actually existed. It was on the realm of, of conspiracy theorists. But it is there. It is, it is the underlying philosophy of every decision um, the ANC, the SACP, and uh, Kasatu make. Uh, as, as the tripartite uh, alliance, it is it is the backbone of absolutely everything. Yes. And to think otherwise is, is just is ridiculous. Um, it, is actually, it is actually in black and white, Rob. It's not just hearsay. Yeah. It is written down. Yeah, it is. It is actually on, on ANC's website. Mm. There's documentation uh, for it. Um, I've actually discussed that uh, with Lakota when I was part of uh, COPE. And uh, he... He told you told me exactly what the whole NDR is about. Um, one of the other guys that was also in the top top of COPE, he he was responsible for educating um, people and new political uh, recruits on the National Democratic Revolution and what it is all about. And it is absolutely about uh, socialism and eventually straight into into communism. There's, there's no doubt about that. And they make it sound amazing. That's the problem. They make it sound great. Um, and you have the media that just perpetuates, uh, perpetuates sorry, uh, this nonsense. Definitely, definitely. Well, the word, the word revolution sounds fantastic mm. until, you, until you realize what are we revolting from or revolting toward? What is it? Where is this fight? Where is this liberation fight? Who, what do we need to be liberated from? There's, there's nothing there. You know, that's that's an old ideology which they've just continued forward because it creates a fantastic little protective circle around the people at the top mm. and it gives them ultimate power to do to do whatever whatever they want and implement whatever they want so and basically that's, Rob, that's what, what you're saying in a nutshell is that revolution is revolting <laughs> definitely a revolting revolution yeah <laughs> it, it spins me around <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so now what's happening now? So DRSA is involved with this uh, campaign to what? Make people aware of, of, of this bull? Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's, that's what we do essentially is if we um, go through all the government gazettes uh, mm. from a local level all the way through to national and highlight um, any amendments or changes in policy or new policy that that's brought about. And uh, luckily, under the Constitution and several other laws, the government is uh, obliged to invite public comment on any draft legislation before mm. before it's implemented. The idea is to um, conform, formulate strong laws that suit both government and public needs. And that really happens, of course, because government publishes it in the in the national gazettes or local gazettes, and no one ever reads those gazettes. No. So. Although there's a call for comment, uh, one or two people might might respond, and and government will just tick the box and say we had public participation. There it is. You don't have any access to that public participation. You don't know who who said what, or or what the outcome is. So you don't know at the end of the day if that law that they've just signed in is actually uh, in favour with uh, public and and government because government can just claim it is. So we form that um, uh, barrier, that buffer between the public and government, and we facilitate the whole public uh, participation process, capture all the details, record all the details, mm. make sure it's done properly, make sure the public's educated, informed, and that there's a record which is open to pub for public viewing. And from, from that process, we, we assist government um, in helping them uh, form proper laws, uh, collating all the comments, and we also educate the public as to to what's happening around there in their local region or nationally, and so on, and show them the value of getting involved in participative democracy. At, at the end of the day, yeah, I must say so, that it's quite scary. I mean, the fact is that that big that big campaign that you ran that had what over <laughs> two hundred thousand um, mm. comments, fifty seven percent. How yeah. can that? be so tight for something that seems so obvious oh absolutely well yeah. you've got That's to look at the saying. demographics 
the, uh, the demographics of South Africa and and who's educated and 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 who's not. Um, but it is very revealing because we've run two others since then, and it's definitely swung towards uh, saying do not amend the 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 uh, constitution. The last one that we ran uh, on the it's on the eighteenth amendment bill that got one hundred ninety thousand comments. Ninety percent said no. Ninety percent at that stage. So sure, that's that's quite a swing. Yeah. So people have definitely. Mm. Um, changed their minds, educated themselves as to what it is, realized the political lies that, that, that are going around. Um, either that or uh, the people who said yes before could, didn't bother to participate mm, this time. Mm. We, we don't really know because uh, it's, it's, you know, there'll be too much to actually figure out who, who did and who didn't participate and to try and correlate the whole, the whole there. But um, I think the, the general feeling out there is that... Um, the expropriation is not good for the country, uh, or expropriation without compensation. Because we must, we must differentiate between expropriation and expropriation without compensation. Expropriation has always been allowed to happen. However, the new proposal is, is expropriation without compensation. And the focus is there without. So expropriation without compensation, people have realized that it's not good for the country. It's going to chase away investors. Economic investment will, will definitely disappear. Mm. No, nobody in their right mind will invest invest in a country where you don't own own the property or your investment could be expropriated at, at any stage. Because remember, again, it's not just mm. limited to land. So, I think anybody who's who's uh, been paying attention over the past few years has realised that, and that's why we've seen seen the swing. And I'm glad it's taken taken this long, because. You know, the, the longer it takes, the more opportunities we have to get out the correct messaging. And we can avoid um, the political interference that, that seems to happen in, in, all, the, in mm. all the educational efforts here. And that's great. A lot of people aren't aware. But if you go to, um, I think it's Hitler.org. Yes, yes, I am invoking Hitler. But if you go to Hitler.org, <laughs> I think it is. No, it's not a pro Hitler site. It's literally just an archive of of all data that's sort of collected, and you go to there to his. You go to his. I think I must go and check now. But I think it was nineteen twenty. Uh, he did a he did a speech and he, he presented a list of demands of what uh, the uh, the then um, Nazi movement um, wanted. Mm. And uh, you can read it. You can read the whole thing. It's translated into English. And if you scroll down to think like number 18 or number 20 thereabouts, uh, they speak about... Are you opening it? Do you have your computer yeah, in front of you? Yeah, I think you should open it. It's <laughs> very interesting. Um, yeah. And he, the, one of the demands is expropriation without compensation. Mm. It's there in black and white. Um, and it's quite yeah. scary how similar this is to that. Well, it's identical. It's identical, and especially if you have a, if you compare the uh, EFF's tactics and their strategy from the day of the the day they they came into into being, and you overlay it with the German National Socialist Party of, mm. of the nineteen twenties and thirties, it's exactly the same. They 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 employing the same tactics, the same ideology, the same demands, and the same road forward. So if you if you want to predict what what the EFF will will be up to next. All you have to do is look back in history and, and realize that it's repeating itself right now in, mm. in South Africa. All focused on the workers and uh, blame a minority for for your hardships and, and so on and so on. It's 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 utterly disgraceful and I can't I can't believe that people haven't actually realized the the, the similarities and the, the correlations between the two. But it's exactly exactly right. And like like you say, if you took that speech and then um, put it out there. I guarantee you, most most South Africans would say, "Oh, I've never said that," mm. or, or the, even some ANC officials could could have said the same thing. It's it's exactly exactly the same. And even the way, you know, if you look at the EFF, the way they present themselves and it's the way Malema talks and gets a crowd exaggerated, it's a, it's it's a carbon copy that mm. is using exactly the same tactics. So. Unless we wake up quickly and, and realize that, that that is what's happening right in front of us, um, that a certain minority is being vilified 
uh, unnecessarily and for all the wrong reasons, then you know we're going to head down that same disastrous path once again. But our only hope there is that we have history behind us to show us the way the way out of it, and perhaps um, uh, block any advances that that might happen from 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 that side. And let's just hope that not one of our provinces will be the first. Uh, Polish territory to be invaded and cause a, a global war here. <laughs> Cape Independence. <coughs> Sorry, I got something stuck in my throat. That's exactly what I was alluding to. <laughs> 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 yeah. Cape Independence. So that, there's an interesting thought. To be honest, I think. have you run a have you run a um, a campaign on just what people think on DRSA uh, of of Cape on, Independence? On Cape Independence. Mm. Uh, no, we haven't yet. We, we've actually had a chat to uh, Cape Independence Advocacy Group, and we'll probably be, do, be doing something with them to do exactly that, um, campaigning to um, see what South Africans feel about an independent Cape. And I think that's pretty obvious what they do. Um, mm. In fact, I think they ran that poll already on, mm. on it, and they, they got a very good response. Uh, um, well, yeah, but very few respondents. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if we can expand that to the entire, mm. the entire South Africa, especially through through our network, and and get proper proper work on that, there'll be there'll be a, a definite just cause. Coming but back leading to... to a referendum, I think that a referendum on that will be the ultimate goal. But that's going to yeah. require amending amending certain laws and, and referendum laws. Which haven't changed since the since the eighties. So. Rob, coming back to the EWC conversation, some people in the comments have been asking, um, "What can we do?" I mean, you just basically running campaigns to get opinion, right? So you, your influence mm. is limited. Although, I mean, it's, it's, it's substantial. It's substantial, mm. make no mistake, but it's still limited. Yeah, yeah. Look, to to a point, it is limited. Um, however, the, you've got to understand that once legislation has, has been signed into law, it's, it's almost vir it's virtually impossible to actually un undo that legislation because it's gone through so many different processes mm. to, to get to the president's desk where, where he has signed it in. And you know, the only way you can really change legislation is by amending it. You can't really undo it. So our whole process um, uh, adopts a philosophy that prevention is better than cure. And we help formulate policy before it gets implemented in, in, into law in, in the hopes that it that will be done done correctly and in favor of, of government and, and the general public. Um, and we also, I think our, our big, our big uh, score is that we keep a record of all, all that public participation. So if government in, implements something that goes against uh, what the public ha has said, then we have a solid foundation of evidence to build a, any case on, mm. on top of that, because one of the major components of any uh, amendment is the public participation process and adhering to that. That's written, like I said, into the into the constitution several in several uh, chapters, and in uh, under different laws. One of them is is PUDGE, which is a very strong law, and around administrative uh, administrative law. So it's it's about keeping that record and then challenging government should the incorrect decisions be made of which we hold the evidence so we can create impact uh, afterwards but it all depends on how much public participation happened before the case so that's why we always encourage a lot of public participation mm -hmm. because the more you have the greater your foundation for the challenge at, at a later stage how sympathetic is the government to public participation it's becoming it's becoming the backbone of of government um, currently. Um, before they 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 ignored it, they they, they didn't really focus on it. Mm. But now there's been a definite shift towards uh, strengthening public participation across the board. Um, I had a, a meeting with the public education office in Parliament two weeks ago, and we've established a a public participation committee now and an oversight body that is focusing on uh, strengthening and developing public participation processes in across all across the board everywhere from munis municipalities all the way up through to to national parliament and provinces and and every process they they really want to focus on uh, strengthening their public involvement in 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 democratic processes especially um getting feedback from from the public and so on, which has been 
a problem area for, for, for many years. So government has become detached from society because they haven't been involved in listening to it and getting um, the public actively participating with, Rob, with them. the government is yeah. detached from society? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should hold up the flag. It says, okay, obvious comment coming out. And then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but something I was going to ask you now that it's just lapsed my mind. Um, all right, I'll come back to that. Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, the, I was saying to my wife this morning that one of the problems with this bill and uh, these various attempts at uh, legislating expropriation without compensation is that EWC leads to more EWC. It's yeah. a slippery slope. It does. It does. Once once those, that, that gate has been opened, there's... Mm. Yeah, it, it is a floodgate. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's not going to so, like stop there after one bull. No, no, definitely it won't. And like, like I said, I think right at the beginning of this conversation, it, it is the foundation for, for the NDR. There's, there's no doubt about that. Expropriation of land is, I mean, private property rights is, is, the, is the strongest yeah. right that, that, that you have. Um, I used to think it was freedom of speech, but no, it's no. not. It's not. Private it's property. property rights come first, yeah come first and then freedom of speech prop, uh, second if i can't well, say what i want to say sure but there's, an argument, there's an ip argument to be made that speech is property so it falls into the private property um uh argument uh, but that's a, that's yes, a uh, sort of a more sort of meta conversation because i'm not certain i'm not certain how you define property and speech in the sort of same category maybe it is i don't know um but i mean well, if I but I mean, no, IP, the word. exactly. Yeah. If IP is considered property, like if my if I draw a cartoon and that's IP, then that's mm. you know that's my property, I suppose. Um, but I agree with you. Yes, private property comes first. Yeah. I mean, I I can come and have supper with you, but if I talk smack about your wife, you're going to say, "Well, there's the front door." <laughs> well, would I? Don't, don't make assumptions. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's well, your private property. I'm... <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it is it's my private property and i have every right to uh, extract you from from mm. from that situation yeah even if you look at simple things like and i cannot understand why in instances like the whole clicks um mm. debacle why they didn't exercise their private property rights there i mean you walk into any shop and it says right of admission reserved that is a private property right there straight saying that if you don't behave under, under rules and and whatever, which I don't do because this is my property, I can mm. eject you from 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 this venue. So why didn't they they use that? Why did people suddenly forget their their private property rights, which still exist in this country, but are definitely not not exercised enough? So people in the comments are asking, what can we do to buffer? All right, so let's let's just put this on the table. Land expropriation is coming. One way or another, yeah. it is coming, and it's going to take various forms, bit by bit, over the next few years. While people like you and others are fighting it um, on a sort of a legal front, there must be things that us lowly peasants um, can do to start creating some sort of buffer. Rob, any ideas? Um, educate yourselves as to the to the current laws and the proposed laws. I think that is the, the strongest thing you can possibly do. Uh, knowledge is power. And in in cases like this where the land invader comes or wants to take take your mm. property or, or anything else, know your rights. Mm. Know what you can and can't do. Know what you, you can need, say and can't you need, say. You need one of yeah. these as well. Yeah, I don't want to say it. Yeah, I don't want to say it because YouTube seems to censor me and everything. But I think we all know what what this represents. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Go yes. for training. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. But you know, um, I was about to say we still have the law on our side, but I'm not so sure anymore about that. So I think know, just definitely know, know what your rights are, mm. know how you can uh, defend yourself in the meantime. And perhaps the question was not, not so much about uh, once it's happened, but how do we prevent it from happening? Um, make a noise. Mm. That's the best thing you can do is make a hell of a noise about it. Don't keep quiet. 
too many people have been keeping quiet about the situation, thinking yeah. that it's not going to happen. It is. Like you say, it is. It is going to happen unless we make a noise. And the more noise we make, whether it's on a local stage or an international stage, we need to make a hell of a lot more noise than, than what we are. Yeah, we even need to get our dogs to bark about it. <laughs> so we see my dog's making noise about it right now. She's protecting her kennel. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it's so sad that we have to have this conversation. But yes, we have to create buffers. Somebody mentioned in the comments that we need to state-proof. That is uh, something I've been talking about for a very long time now. State-proofing is probably one of the most powerful buffers that, that we as individuals can create. Uh, stop relying on the government. So no matter what happens, you've got to become self-reliant. And independence, Rob, self-reliance starts here. Yeah starts up here Without and then it's and then it spreads definitely definitely we all we all suffer from mm. uh, mental slavery and, and we are a slave to something mm. and we we have actually forgotten that we are pretty capable beings it, all of us mm. we can all do what uh, we can all survive if we put in in a tough situation and nothing nothing develops ingenuity like constraint so the more constraint we are the more ingenuitive we need, we need to be become, mm. and that will naturally naturally happen. But the first step, the first step, is to become less reliant on on government. And I think nothing has proven that more than this whole COVID fiasco. The yeah. the people who stood around and waited for government bailouts are the people who are not going to make it. Those who didn't wait and saw opportunity are, are the ones that that will that will survive and will carry on and will thrive. And we need to be more like more like those people. Stop waiting yeah. for government. Government is not your friend in any no. way. Government, government is your enemy. It's the enemy of the people. Um, but we also yeah. need to start applying more of a sort of stoic outlook on life. You know, I mean, as Ryan Holiday once said, you know, the obstacle is your way or is the way. Yes. So if there's an obstacle, as you said, uh, instead of just waiting for it to, you know, be moved out of the way, you know exploit it totally totally and that's it, it's a total shift of, of mindset and mm. it, it took me a long time to realize in, in in my personal experience as well is that you you must stop focusing on the negative and authority will always get you to focus on the negative because that puts you in a submissive state yeah you've got to physically change your, your being and your thought patterns to recognize opportunity in, in, in every situation. And there is always opportunity. No matter where you look, yeah. there's opportunity. In the worst of events, there is something that you can focus on that can bring you out. And once you once you have that mindset or shift, you, your life changes for, for, for the better without a doubt. And something I learned. Um, <laughs> your dog's quite keen, eh? <laughs> yeah, she's um, feed the damn thing. <laughs> so, something, something I learned uh, in the last two months, Rob, um, is another very simple but very powerful buffer is to start uh, saving money and just have money in your bank account. Simple as that. You know, you don't want to be in this in a scenario where you've got no money to draw from an ATM. Just never mind your investments and all that stuff. You can worry about all that kind of thing also. But you need cash in the bank, uh, particularly yeah. particularly um, in times like this. I think it starts one step before that, Jerry. I think getting yourself out of debt and yes. debt-free is, is the first step. Yeah. Once you're debt-free, your, your world changes completely mm. because now you can actually take the risks you can think differently you're not a slave to to the monetary system and you know unfortunately that uh, we're going to see a complete opposite thought now with the lowering of interest rates people are now mm, there's apparently a boom in the housing market people are going to get themselves into more and more and more debt and that there's a dangerous dangerous situation people should be taking advantage of a low interest rate by paying their houses off quicker settling outstanding debts quicker and and so on once you get out of debt then you can start saving money you can't save money until you you're out of debt welcome to this week's edition of mentoring with rob <laughs> <laughs> the wise old man is here <laughs> i must admit that you do have that 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 wisdom appearance going 
<laughs> it's just an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would look good in a in one of those sort of wise old sage outfits, like on on top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, I wear my bathrobe quite often. So, <laughs> I uh, I'll, I'm, I made the mistake of of taking my bathrobe with me when I went hunting with a group of guys. Trust me, don't ever yeah. do that. <laughs> no, that would not be a good thing to do. No. <laughs> um, Rob. Okay, so we are pretty much almost out of time lots of people watching um i'm sure you've seen a bunch of the comments and questions on your screen there um i think the general consensus is that <sighs> land expropriation is happening it's not good there's very little that we can do other than continuing to do the work that you at dsa and afri forum and other uh, the institute mm -hmm. of race relations are doing continue fighting this on a big legal and media front those of us without those kinds of backings and resources need to make a noise and just make noise just stay on the radar you know don't just sit back and be apathetic and go oh well you know it's nothing we can do um there, there, there it might be the case that there's not much you can do but if you're okay with you know with with that with that mindset then then you know that's a little bit unfortunate um there is something you can do and you can make a noise. You can talk to people around Bryce and you just keep keep telling people <laughs> and keep going to the absurd, you know, literally show the comparisons with, you know, the Nazis. Mm. Because this is real. This is what they did 100 years ago or were proposing 100 years ago and now it's going in, a, in one big horseshoe. Uh, I totally agree, Jeremy. That is exactly what people need to be doing. And realize that everybody plays their their role in this. There's not there's not going to be one hero that that saves mm. saves South Africa with this. It's going to be up to a collective effort from civil society through different organisations right down to the right down to the individual communities mm. working working together. Everybody presenting their own unique perspective, their own um, focusing on their strengths and recognizing their weaknesses, and hoping other groups can. Can fill those fill those gaps created by by uh, by by the weaknesses. It's going to be a, a collective effort, and it needs to be a collective. Effort. I agree. There's so no we, doubt about we've that. got a comment and that's uh, popped up there. It says land expropriation land expropriation is the solution to resolve the inequalities in this country. Well, that might be true, but everyone will end up equally poor. That's correct. Yeah, and equally everyone hungry. Will be equally poor. <laughs> you yeah. can't create something from nothing. No. So you can only take away from what's existing. And it's, it's about the balance. Yeah. And a very simple mathematical equation is you cannot create more by dividing. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly it. Yeah. You have to balance multiply. Of the universe, yeah. yeah, you have to multiply. Yeah. You cannot divide to create more. It doesn't work like that. No, no um, definitely not. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Um, Rob? been a great pleasure uh, someone said now that uh, you're an inspiration and i think you yeah. are uh, you do a lot of you do a lot of work behind the scenes people don't realize that uh, <laughs> that you're fighting serious battles on the quiet <laughs> yeah yeah i was actually looking at the number of projects that, that we've run in the past uh just in the past two years mm. it's about 165 different projects 165 and... my word 165 projects, yeah. And we've got a, a good subscri active subscriber base now of approaching a million people. Yo. So it's 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 a lot of work. But I, I prefer working from, from the shadows and, and pushing from the shadows. I don't – because if you grab the limelight all the time, you, you place mm. a target on your back. So I don't want to grab the limelight. I just want to get the job done and it's most effective from, from the shadows. And, and just for those who – those who uh, think that you're some random guy, you're also at one stage pretty high up at Outer. So you've, you've got, yes, uh, I was one of the founding directors yeah, yeah. of Outer. So you've got yeah. you've got hands-on experience when it comes to <laughs> um, activism. <laughs> yeah, and and I was uh, in the top five of Cope. So yes, political experience there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got political uh, experience, and you've got uh, what are what other experience you've you don't have farming experience okay so there's a problem there. no. we can't we can't have you as a farmer rob 
No, definitely not. No, definitely not. I've got DJing experience. DJing. Into that. <laughs> ah, we'll see you. Are we going to see you at Tomorrowland <laughs> or Africa Burn? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Too old for that now. <laughs> All right. Honestly, fun night. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. His details are under the video. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll see you soon. My name is Germ. This was Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.